Well, uh, good evening, viewer. Um, we are guys, and it is still night. Uh, I'm still Dave. We've still got Rob, and we've still got Phil. So at least something in your life is predictable. And uh, as always, you're going to get exactly what you paid for. So welcome, and I hope we've got a good show for you tonight, uh, or this morning, or this afternoon, depending on when you are listening. Um, how are you doing tonight, Rob? Okay. <laughs> It was almost a uh, duet tonight, but I think I'm tracking. I think we're gonna. I think I'm gonna make it through. Okay. And uh, how are you doing, Phil? Oh, I am peachy keen, sir. All righty, all righty. Well, nobody asked me, but that's never stopped me before. I am doing well, uh, and it is good to be hanging out with you guys uh, tonight. Uh, and for you viewers, um, just to give you a little bit of a backstory here, um, the three of us have not really uh, hung out much outside of this podcast. Um, Phil and I met once in real life. We were doing some sort of, it was a really big, highly produced military leadership documentary at Gettysburg. Um, Jocko Willink was there and attended um, to learn something. Um, I'm just kidding. That was actually the opposite. He was doing something cool uh, and we stumbled and I think walked through some of his recording and maybe just ruined the whole thing for him. Uh, but Phil and I, uh, have, have seen each other in real life for a day. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but I actually have been genuinely enjoying this, even though we, we don't know each other too well, uh, prior to starting the show, I'm enjoying just chatting with you guys each evening and I hope it's mutual. It's okay, Rob, you don't need to tear up at this. It looks like you're, <laughs> I think he was turning up his mouth at my, your, what you're saying. Touching moment. I know for a, for a dad sneeze. <laughs> Oh, okay. Wait. Um, so you've been a dad longer than me. I don't know uh, if this dad sneezed. What's a dad sneeze? Uh, um, it's 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 when you sneeze really loud. Oh, okay. Just think so, violence so of action so that, in a nasal form. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So so much so that occasionally, if I sneeze in a public place, people will shriek in horror. Yeah, victory by nasal superiority. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, dad sneeze it is. Um, well, uh, but in all seriousness, uh, viewer, I hope we have a good a good show for you. We're going to open up here. I'm going to open up here kind of a, the biblical lens. I want to look through our topics tonight. Uh, and of course, we've got, we've got valuable advice on the dad advice, the coffee front, the tool advice. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll look at some current stories through the biblical lens. Um, and we'll see where we go from there. Uh, and as always, I think we're going to take what uh, <clears throat> what I would call the scenic route um, as we go about. Hopefully we make some stops uh, that are humorous and insightful, um, but I'm going to give it a shot and get us started on it. Um, <clears throat> so the the biblical text or the biblical lens I want to apply to tonight, uh, I'm going to call the order of affections, um, basically hating uh, the things that God hates and scripture says to hate. Uh, but also loving the things that God loves and scripture says to love. Mm. But I want to look at it um, at the often overlooked side of, um, well, uh, let me back up. Uh, Augustine called this the Ordo Amoris, the order of loves and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm going to propose that we've got a lost virtue of Ordo Odium or order of hate in uh, our society. And I'll, I'll go through some scriptures so people don't think I'm just making this up because uh, that would be very dangerous. 
uh, and I don't want to be in that category. But there are things to hate that are in Scripture, and I think part of um, modernity's societal decline is Christians are failing to understand that there's actually things we're supposed to hate and fight um, from a scriptural perspective. And if you want also the kind of the old doctrinal name for this, this is something that's not taught anymore. It's been taught faithfully by our father's past, uh, but forgotten uh, in the last couple of generations. It was called the doctrine of antithesis. I don't know if that's um, a new term for you guys. Uh, kind of the newer term for it is the myth of neutrality. Um, in the garden, the proto-gospel, it's called where um, God, after cursing man, after mankind fell, though prophesies about um, there being enmity between the serpent and the seed of the woman. That's the antithesis there, or the, the myth of neutrality. Those are the only two sides, the side of, of the Son of God, the Savior, and the side of Satan. Uh, and Christ echoes this um, in Matthew twelve thirty. Um, when he says, he that is not with me is against me. There's, there's actually no neutral ground, um, according to scripture. Those are the two sides. It's been called the doctrine of antithesis or the myth of neutrality. Um, it's you are against Christ or you are for him. You are in him or you are out of him. And that being said, there are things that scripture, and I don't want to just blow over this part. I want to frame this correctly because I don't want to be accused of just wanting to throw hate. Because um, there are two sides of this coin. Scripture does talk love your, about loving your neighbor, praying for those who persecute you. And so I'm not negating any of that. But there is a category of rightly ordered hate in Scripture that has been ignored. We've only, I think, societally been looking at the, um, the love side of the coin and not at the biblical hate side of the coin to our detriment. Um, I think when you throw out one area of scripture just to focus on another, you don't get the balance you're supposed to get. And I'll read the verses I've got in mind with you guys, and then I'll see what you think about this biblical lens overall. Um, so we've got the myth of neutrality established, the antithesis. You're in Christ or you're out. You're for or you're against by his own words. Um and then also, the, there's a lot of Proverbs. If you read through there several times, there is the fear of the Lord is. And there's a lot of verses in Proverbs that start off with the fear of the Lord. Uh, and I think probably the most famous is the fear of the Lord is, I think, um, the beginning of wisdom. It's at the very beginning of Proverbs. But there are other times in Proverbs where it says the fear of the Lord is, and it also says something else. And the one I want to look at specifically is Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, I know a lot of good Christian men, women, children, families, they'll pray frequently, Lord, may I fear you more as they read your scripture and see that the fear of the Lord is throughout scripture. Um, and they may say, understanding, give me more wisdom, make me more wise, um, understanding that that's a natural outflow of the fear of the Lord. But do you think there are any Christians that when praying to fear the Lord more also pray, Lord, hate me or help me hate evil more? When there's a biblical correlation, I don't think I think there are very few. Um, so there there is a hatred of evil um, that is not contra by any means. Loving your neighbor is not contra um, praying for those who persecute you. Um and then additionally, this one's, this one's pretty eye-opening. 
Psalm 139, 21 through 22. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And do not I earnestly contend with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with an unfeigned hatred, as they were mine utter enemies. So this psalm here is not just the hatred of evil in Scripture, but a righteous hatred of certain people in Scripture. And what I want to propose is that if we're going to be full people of the book, if it's in the book, and that's what we're going to be about, um, we have to understand how these two things operate in intention um, and complementary to each other at the same time, which I find is a theme much throughout Scripture uh, in a lot of ways. But we've got the order of hate. Uh, in fact, Christ says, he who does not hate his mother and father, um, and I'm paraphrasing this one because I don't have it in front of me, he who does not hate his father and mother uh, is not fit to follow me. Um, if you guys remember it more exactly, feel free to throw that in there. And it's also a sin, though, by the way, to actually dishonor your father and mother. But in relation to your love for Christ, you hate everything else. You love them far less. That's another example where there's a biblical order of hate and love and affection. Um, <clears throat> so this is, this is the lens I want to look at. There's a complementary tension in Scripture between righteously hating evil and if you look at Psalm 139, certain evildoers, while also understanding that there's a command to love your neighbor and even pray for those who persecute you at the same time. And I want to I submit to you that we live in a society that has only in the last few generations primarily looked at the love side of the coin. And that has given us an imbalance. And because of that, we're living in a society that doesn't love with a fully biblical definition. And because of that, we accommodate those things that the Lord hates in the name of love, but also forget uh, forgetting that we're supposed to hate um, certain things. And before I turn it over to what you guys think, this is the last observation I think I'm going to make on it. Um, and I said this in a sermon recently. Um, so what is the greatest commandment? People say love God. Um, and then the second is like it. Love your neighbor, I think is the... If it's if you got the more specific, I don't have it verbatim in front of me. Um, but love God and love people basically is kind of how it's it's made. Um, love as a all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. The yeah. second is like the it. Second is like it. Yeah. yeah, love your neighbors yourself. Yeah, thank you, Phil. We often, and I think this is right when people say a way of they take that verse and they say a loving a way of loving God is loving people, and I fully agree with that that correlation um, at least to an extent. But what I don't think is ever asked is, but is loving God and his righteousness and goodness, which includes hating the things he hates, is loving God a way of loving your neighbor? So if you hate the things that God hates because you love the things that God loves, um, that is actually a way of loving your neighbor. And I think people, they get the cart before the, her the horse. They say, love your neighbor only to love God rather than also thinking, Love God also to love your neighbor. So given that there is a clear doctrine of the antithesis in Scripture, a myth of neutrality, uh, given that we are to love, that is one of the things that's supposed to mark a Christian, um, but also given that we are supposed to hate certain things too, as people of Christ as well and of the book, um, I would just say that our society is losing or has lost the desire to hate the things that God hates, and in doing so is not sufficiently loving him 
or even our neighbor when we get that out of order. Um, I want to know what you guys think. Um, this is not a concept that a lot of people are talking about anymore. There are people that have written about it um, in in church history past, but it's kind of a it's a forgotten biblical truth. Um, so I want to know what you guys think about that lens and if you see that play out at all. So I, I don't know who wants to go first, but you guys you guys can fight for who goes first or who doesn't. <laughs> take take it, Phil. Oh gosh. Um... Well, if if I can, I give you a starting point, or do you want to? Do you have a starting point? uh, So I'll jump in here. Um, Okay. Yeah. So, (laughs) so to to love your enemies and do good um, to those who persecute you. Mm. All right. That's the verse. What the verse Mm -hmm. says, I believe. Um. I think that we mentioned this last week or week before about, I think we're talking afterwards about how when it comes to, to let's say stopping a bad guy doing bad things, you know, Mm. how do I do that while still loving him? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, because I hate his action. I hate that he's, he's doing evil and hurting someone else. Mm -hmm. And, um, and in my own my own mind, because I've I've done a fair bit of law enforcement stuff and military things, and and I've had to stop bad guys often enough, mm. and and I've had to hurt people doing that, and I've come to the, to the realization that that when someone is doing evil, um, it's not loving to let them keep on doing evil. You know, they're simply piling up sin on their own soul. Um, they're doing damage to their immortal soul, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and to allow someone to continue doing that is not a loving thing. And you got to stop them. And sometimes the only way to stop them is to, to stop them. Um, yeah. You know, and everything less than that, too. You know, sometimes you can use lesser force as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's the only way I've found to balance loving my enemies while also loving my neighbor because you know my neighbor the person that that's right there next to me that i'm trying to defend and 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 keep safe Mm -hmm. um you know i want to if i I let them get hurt i'm not being loving towards them if i could have stopped it you know Mm -hmm. so so i have to to stop the bad guy to love my neighbor Mm -hmm. and i have to stop the bad guy to love the bad guy um Mm -hmm. because ultimately he's doing damage to himself, you know, in internal means. Um, yeah. and so, so that's on a very personal level. And I think that you can apply that same standard to a society and to the laws we pass and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but I'll let Rob and, jump in here if he wants to. And real quick, yeah. just for the listener, um, just for the listener, since we've referenced the verse a few times and we've, we've like hit it 90% each time, I'm just going to read the, the love your neighbor, hate your enemy verse, just so we're, um, we're 100%. Uh, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, yeah. So that's that's also. So when we're talking about the, What's the reference, hate, uh, Matthew 5, 43 through 45 is where that's in. Jesus um, talking. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so that's our guy. Uh, so, yeah, as uh, as we talk about this hate, we're, we want to do so in not a way that violates this. Um, yes. But also doesn't ignore scriptures, hate of 
of evil. So, sorry, Rob. Yeah, no worries. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think um, my first thoughts kind of align with Phil's is that, first of all, we, we talk about, we have this idea of what it is to love somebody. And if I'm not, in our culture today, the idea seems to be that if I am not okay with somebody's choices, that I'm not loving that person. And you- that is a lie. That is a total lie. First of all, simply as a parent, I am not okay with some of the choices that my kid makes. And in mm-hmm. my love for them, I am going to step in, right? And I'm going to protect them from themselves. I'm going to chastise them if necessary. And that is all an act of love. So Absolutely. Yeah. we need to actually understand what love is. Um, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to get ahead of our show notes here, but in the, the hot topic this week of um, a trans wedding and Mm -hmm. this idea that going to that wedding is an act of love towards those people. I'll just push hard against that and say, no, actually the act of love is to confront those people and say, no, sorry, what you're doing is offensive to God. It is not righteous. It'll never be righteous. Repent, turn to Jesus so that your soul be saved. Yeah. And the culture is going to say that that's judgment. I'm going to say, no, that's not judgment. That, or, or that's righteous judgment, and that's an offer of salvation, right? Yeah. That is an offer of salvation, which is the best thing you could ever give to somebody. It's better than a meal. It's better than a feeling. It's better than a hug. It's the eternal gift of life. Um, it's so, judgment, but it's God's judgment, not ours. It's righteous judgment. It's already made. Yeah. Yes. It's, you know? Yeah. It's a judgment um, you can trust. Um, would so you even... With, with, oh. Yeah, go ahead. No, well, I was no, going to say, with, with that, I do, I do want to co- put a couple things in context. I haven't studied this in a while, so you know, fact check me on this. Um, uh, when, when Jesus refers to um, uh, hate towards your mother and father, uh, mm-hmm. it is uh, my understanding, and again, it has been a while since I've gone down this, he is not referring to the type of hatred that I would have towards uh, an enemy of mine. It's actually just Correct. to give le- less preference to, right? Yeah, it, um, is a, it doesn't it mean is that I actually... So it's, 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 you could actually have in the context of what Jesus is talking about, you could still actually have love towards that individual, mm-hmm. but it is it, to put them in their right place, especially in relation to God. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was hoping I articulated it that way. Maybe I didn't. Um, it's, it's a relative I, order yeah. of love, um, but it uses the term hate. So you've got to understand like there's, we have to, we have yeah. to address that that term's used. Uh, but it is by no mean a total hate um, or a a complete or dishonoring hate of them, if you will. Yeah. It, is, it is it is in reference to your love for Christ. Your love for Christ so outshines it um, that compared to it, it's hate, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it goes in line with, with uh, and I'm going to totally butcher this, but when when Paul basically says that everything else is, is useless, mm-hmm. right? All righteousness I mean, is, uh, is scubula. I think is the Greek word. <laughs> yeah. Everything in the world ultimately serves no purpose. It's all going to perish. It's all going to burn. Um, and there's one thing that is really worth everything. And again, that's, that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, um, my position on, on this is, is simple. Um, I do believe that we need to uh, abhor the things that God hates Um, I think that we actually need to learn how to love rightly. And I think that honesty and truth is never to be compromised. Absolutely. And at the second that we compromise on honesty and truth, we're no longer operating in love. Chances are we're operating in fear. And that does not come from, um, that does not come from 
the Holy Spirit, that comes from the devil, right? As soon as we compromise God's word in any area, that's 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 not God inspired. Yeah, I, it. In fact, when we do it, it's bending the knee to the original kind of obfuscation of did God really say? You know, yep. putting that doubt on the word. Um, so I've got two questions for both of you. They're kind of yes or no questions, but if you want to elaborate the yes or no, and then I think we'll we'll carry on to the next topics after this. Uh, but the first question is: Do you think our modern generation, and maybe the generation that came before us too, that we got this definition from, do you think modernity is operating with a definition of love that is far more wibbly wobbly, far less defined and understood and robust than any generation before us? Have we redefined the word love to being almost useless? Many people would say that love is love. <laughs> and what does that mean? Yeah. 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 So, hey. So, so it's totally um, objective, right? We're saying it's totally, sorry, we're to, it's totally subjective to how I feel love is. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in our time, in modernity, the concept of love seems to be based more on how I feel than what reality is. Yep. Yeah. So let's, I have a thought here. Um, and, I, and I'm just thinking this through now. So bear with me and correct me if you think differently. Um, yes, I'm with you on the love thing being a feeling nowadays and stuff. But so let's define our terms then. And I think mm-hmm. I'm guessing you guys would agree when I say love isn't a feeling. It is a choice, an action that you do where you seek the good of the other person. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, seek them, them the benefit and prosper in, in their what they're doing. Yep. Okay. So I've not done this before, but, but check it out. What about mm-hmm. hate? We keep talking about hate like it's a feeling. I don't know mm-hmm. if hate is a feeling. What if hate is the opposite of love? What if hate is seeking the not prospering, seeking the bad of another person in that you don't want what they're doing to continue. You don't want them mm-hmm. to, to succeed and, and, and prosper in this endeavor they're in. Can I, I'm going to ask a clarifying question. Are you, are you positing that because we have a misunderstanding of love and modernity, we also could very well have a misunderstanding of hate? That's what I'm getting at. And I don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to say this is a fact, I'm saying, what do you guys think? I think that's an excellent question that needs to be asked. And it's something that our generation needs to answer. Like, yeah, I, um, and I'm trying to look up that, that, um, so David, as I read from Psalm 139 says, I hate them with an unfeigned hatred. Um, that's the 1599 Geneva. Let me get a more modern one. And so, Um, and so David is going into this and he's saying, you know, hey, I'm actually doing this. I'm fighting against the enemies of God, which he was. He said, and, and, and more modern he's not, just, he's not just, I just feel really hatred towards you guys. He's not just doing that. Yeah, but he says in a more modern version, it says it this way. I hate them with a complete hatred. So I wonder, um, because in our imperfection, we love things, and we either love the wrong things or we love the right things imperfectly. I wonder if we're looking at a man after God's own heart inspired in scripture something for us to model i hate them with a complete hatred maybe there is a righteous way to hate um and it's what we hate and how we hate and because we don't understand love of god first we've totally misunderstood hate i i'm confident enough i think um to say we don't understand biblical hate because we don't understand biblical love and I, I, I could, I could say that and put my, my stamp of Dave said this. He's not taking it back on it, uh, unless I'm 
unless I'm very clearly me, corrected. But yeah. let me add this idea to it. So yeah, I, I think that um, if there is a, a biblical concept of how to hate, that it would have to be also found and exemplified in the life of Christ. So, and there was this. Um, yeah. Oh man, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to get into. Yeah. I don't want to go into the ra- down the rabbit trail of yeah. this. Well, to take I think I have a practical topic. idea what that actually might look like. Okay. <laughs> I think that looks like humility. It. I think that looks like okay. total, total humility. I think in the world we're going to think that that means that's some sort of taking action against, but in, but in for Jesus, for the example of Jesus, it was no, I lay my life down. He defeated the enemy through humility. The, mm. the, the this very scheme that the enemy, which if, if there was an object of Jesus's hate, it would be Satan. The very scheme that Satan devised is the very scheme that Jesus said, okay, I'm your huckleberry. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Um, just some food My for own, thought. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, well, this is, I think, important. Our definition of a biblical hate has to include a biblical love in it and a biblical mm-hmm. humility. If we hate out of pride, um, or malice, or just personal envy towards something that's not a biblical hate. Um, so we do have to account for humility. But I will say Christ's um, Christ's exemplification of righteous hate isn't just his ministry in the four Gospels um, and his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, though it's that's revelation. an part. Of, I was gonna say, yeah, he casts he casts <laughs> Satan into there the lake of fire. There is a wine press and a robe stained in blood. So. Yeah, so there there is a righteous justice um, yeah. in his hate as well that we should we should um, and as I said before we have we're in, we're in his image so we image certain things without without duplicating them like we don't duplicate his death on a cross physically but hopefully in our humility mm-hmm. and sacrifice we image it um, daily and that sort of thing. Um, any final thoughts on this idea of a full biblical scope um, is is two sides of the coin of what we love and hate and not just one side of love uh, before we move on. I think um, you should pull on this thread and write a book. Let me jump so, back for a second. And uh, and when Jesus says to hate your, your family and stuff, mm-hmm. so my take on this has been that he's speaking hyperbolically. Um, yeah, I think so. And you know, the same way, like, you know, hey, if your eye you know, makes you sin, pull, pluck it out. Your hand. It's a rhetorical, you know, it's a rhetorical right. point. Okay. Yeah. I think you're on the same page there. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I meant by he's talking about a relative hate. It's, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a, it's not in other instances, we'd say is fully didactic or objective. It's a rhetorical use for. Well, I would sense. say not even a, I don't even know if I'm comfortable saying a relative hate. Um, okay. I, I think it's a hyperbolic tactic tool. I mean, it's, you know, he wasn't saying, you know, relatively pull your eye out. He's just like, you know, it's like, he's making the point. Like, look, yeah. this is the point we're making. So mm-hmm. okay. a rhetorical yeah. hate, maybe not a re- relative. I don't know. No, I'm fine. Uh, I'm fine giving a thumbs up to that too. Like, okay. yeah. Um, any final thoughts, Rob, before we, we go on to some other stuff and then we'll look at this, this specifically. Write a book. Okay. Thanks. Uh, probably we'll call it <laughs> Ordo, Ordo Odium. Uh, if I do, yeah, if, I mean, um, I mean, I'm, I, I say it jokingly, but it would be a really interesting read. I think it'd be a really good concept to, this isn't something that we're going to break out in a one hour podcast. Um, yeah. and there's probably a lot of word study that could go into this and 
all that. But I, I do, I do think that you're onto something and that it probably would be beneficial to, and I, I, I want to say, I don't think I'm personally onto something. Um, this is something the church has been onto before and is being rediscovered yeah. in some circles. So I don't want to take credit. Uh, I didn't find something new. I've actually just came across some solid old. <laughs> old is guys. there anything new before? though? That's the question. <laughs> Not under the sun. Uh, as I as I tell my congregation when I introduce something that's new to them, I tell them, um, I'm not giving you something new. This is new to you, but it's actually really old. Uh, and if you'll trust me for just a minute, I'll show you where it's in the book. And I'll yeah. show you how the church for almost 1800 years agreed on this until somewhat recently. Like, yeah. I'm very careful when I give them something new. Like, woe, woe is me. If I give you guys an actually new interpretation of the Bible, like if you write a book, head. if you write a book, you need to name it "Crazy Hate," making fun of uh, Francis Chan's "Crazy Love" thing. Here, here, I was trying to go with, um, yeah. I was trying to compliment um, Augustine's Ordo Amoris, uh, but really, I need to compliment or contra Francis Chan. Yes. Um, <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll throw. I've got a bunch of book titles in my head now that are com comedic gold. Uh, I will not bore our viewer. What do you um, think? Put it in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the comments down below. What? Smash that so, bell and the thumbs up sign, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you yeah. want to, you really can. But you know, it's yeah. Um, <laughs> what? So we've got a. I man, our our overlord is going to be so mad when he hears me ask this question. What platforms are we on and how do we engage with them? No idea. Yeah. Do you guys I forgot we had a Twitter I, I, account until like last week? Okay. So. Yeah. So I promise I'm going to go to our actual show notes here in a second and keep us on track. Uh, but the show, The Office, do you guys remember Creed Thoughts? Where uh, I think it was Jim. So Creed's the old creepy guy. And Jim, and he wants to publish stuff on the internet. I think it's Jim that sets him up with just a word document. It says, you write all your thoughts here. This yes. is a blog. People will read it. It's called Creed Thoughts. Yeah. And Jim published. set him up doing it on a word doc. So it's not actually published because the world wasn't ready for that. Maybe Matt's just uh, Creed thoughting us. Is he That'd just giving us, enough. do we think we're actually being broadcast to the world? Maybe. And these are just, these, yeah, I know. Maybe he, these are just on his hard drive. So that we feel good about ourselves. I've, and, I've verified the, these are on YouTube Rumble and ADP website. Did right, he do okay. it? On did he do it on purpose? I mean, it's there. Okay. Well, I hate. Um, well, look at that. We're doing better than Creed and his Word document. Um, yes. All right. So we've got our lens that we're we've got our lens that we're going to look at um, some modern some current events through. But first, uh, because. We're supposed to love what is good and right and done well. And in that is wisdom and knowledge, which is also a sign of the fear of the Lord. Uh, I'm ready for some wisdom from Phil's dad. <laughs> so I actually texted him today and uh, I told him about this podcast and stuff. And he's watched it now. He had thoughts. And um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, fair Was enough. he proud? Uh, I bet this at some level, because you know what fathers are. But was he embarrassed? Not. Um, maybe. So I asked him. I said, "Hey, I, I need." And we had the segment, of, you know, advice from Phil's dad. You know, and I need some fatherly advice. And he wrote back and he said, 
Um, he said, tell them that, that there is nothing new under the sun. You can quote me on that. And which I said was a great, I mean, if you're going to plagiarize anything, that's the thing to plagiarize. Cause they're like, Hey, you plagiarize that. You're like, well, yeah. I mean, yes. What? Well, so, so well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Sorry. I got it. This is a very important uh, note for our viewer. They're probably going to find this super interesting. Um, what version of scripture was he quoting? Because apparently if you're doing a, like a newer version, you have technically to not plagiarize, you have to cite it. Like if you're using ESV or NIV, um, but if you're using something that's in common domain, like the KGV or my favorite, the 1599 Geneva Bible, uh, you don't have to cite it to not be plagiarizing. So uh, yeah. he may very well have been legally plagiarizing the Bible. I think we he was going book. from the Septuagint, so we're probably okay. Okay, Greek is probably common domain, I'd say. At this point? Yeah. yeah, it's been around a few minutes. Okay, yeah. sorry, but I apologize for interrupting your dad's wisdom. But but yeah, so that that's his wisdom, and um, and as we've seen tonight, you know, that has come up. You know, there is nothing new under the sun, and the topics we talk about, you know, they've been talked about before, and mm. um, we're seeing that play out. So <laughs> way to go, Dad! Not only wise, but apparently prophetic. Yeah, uh, I think the kids say <laughs> nailed it. I think that's how they say that. Yes, and. Uh, you can tell your dad, um, which, so I have, viewers may not know this, I have broken bread and prayed with Phil's dad, and it was, sure. we had a good time with him that day that we hung out as well, um, and you can tell your dad. Well, he's, that, he'll watch this, so you tell him. Go ahead. Okay, hey, hey, Phil's dad. Um, I If all I am saying when I'm a grandfather, and people ask me for wisdom, if all I do is is quote the Bible, I feel like that's probably the best thing I can do. So <laughs> that's fair. Nailed it, as the kids say. All right. Uh, anything in response to Phil's dad's wisdom, Rob? No. <laughs> okay. I mean, you can't add to it. It's, yeah. You really can. Or, I, agree, yeah. I agree with what God said that oh, Phil's good. dad did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and so... Um, that leads us to in loving good things and loving what uh, is right and good in our order of loves. Uh, loving doing things correctly and well uh, is in that category of ordered loves. So that being said, what do we need to know about coffee tonight, Rob? What do you need to know about coffee tonight? I did not prepare any coffee wisdom. Mm. I I can ask some questions if you want to answer my ignorant questions with wisdom. Yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, Q and A's be, would be good. I don't want to just like spout random facts no one could use. Okay. Or... Oh, I love hearing you explain it. Um, the average and... bean is a certain color of brown with a spectrum of. Sorry, yeah. Go ahead. So, um, speaking of bean, um, what are there beans that are are prepared? Uh, in certain ways better than others. For instance, are there beans that are better for French press and beans that are better for pour over and beans that are better for espresso? Um, um, yeah. So man, well, let's start with the difference between single origin and blends. Okay. Oh, let's blend. Please do. Yeah. So a blend is when you take <laughs> beans from different places different mm. farms. It could be different continents. It could be different farms within the same region and you blend them together to create a certain flavor profile. Uh, mm. Think about how they do the same with uh, whiskeys, right? They'll yeah. single barrel whiskey is going to be a barrel that was exceptionally well at the distillery. 
this mm. is really good. We're going to bottle this. We're going to sell it as a single barrel where pretty much everything else is a blend of many barrels to maintain a flavor profile. That's how coffee's blended as well. Okay. Uh, blends are typically um, created based on flavor. Something like a breakfast blend, which is a very common phrase in coffee, or a cowboy blend, is typically going to taste good in a drip, which is mm. very similar to a pour over. It's also very similar to a French press. Mm. Uh, it may not make a great espresso, but it'll probably make an okay espresso. So when um, you say drip, like if I've just got yep. my regular old coffee maker that's automatic yep. timer and stuff, I set it for six in the morning, that's that's a drip. That's a drip, yeah. Okay. Um, Single origins, I personally think the best way to start with a single origin is to start with a pour over and do a pour over with it. See how it is. See, see what, see what flavor notes you get out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, not, I found that not everything works in an espresso. Um, and let me just preempt, this is all subjective and this is all trial and error. I can't say like, oh yeah, this single origin Peru is going to be a great espresso. A lot of the time you just don't know till you try it. Um, generally speaking, if it's a blend, if it's marketed as uh, a breakfast blend or uh, again, a cowboy blend or something like that, it is crafted to make a decent pot of coffee. Whether you do that in the drip, pour over French press, whatever mm-hmm. you do. If it's, if it's, um, if it's marketed as an espresso blend uh, or if it's marketed as espresso, there's no such thing as an espresso bean uh, so if you see espresso on the bag, that that actually means that that was crafted and roasted to make good espresso. Okay. Uh, and then beyond that, it's it's a journey. Um, so here we'll do the North Arrow plug. So one of the one of the things that we offer is a coffee of the month program. Every month mm-hmm. you get a different single origin coffee. Uh, they're they're only available for the month that. Um, for that one month that they're available and then they go away forever and they won't Mm. be back the following year. Even if we went back to the same farm a year later, different, um, different weather conditions, different amount of rainfall, different, uh, temperature, all that's going to affect how that lot tastes the following year. So they're here today, gone tomorrow. Um, why do I bring all this up? Well, go check out the coffee, the month subscription. It's really awesome. But the point is every month we get a new coffee brought in and then you get to go on this journey of discovering what's the best way to have it. So I'll start mm-hmm. with a pour over. And if it's a really good pour over, man, I'll just, I'll just keep you in a pour over. If, if, it, if it's an okay pour over, well, I might wait a couple more days and then try it through the espresso machine and see what kind okay. of shot of espresso it takes. Um, that's it. There's no right or wrong. It's all mm-hmm. what you enjoy in the cup. Okay. Uh, I will say, I love pour overs. Uh, I probably do French press and pour over the most. This, this is just the last two weeks. Just we've been, my family's been sick, working like a dog. In addition to that, a whole bunch of things going on. Uh, This is how bad we were. I've probably, for the first time in years, for the last two weeks, I've been using the coffee pot. I've been prepping it the night before and getting it ready because I love the method of a pour over and French press. I love being methodical um, and just doing that process as I wake up. But I've been exhausted the last few weeks, and we are in dire straits uh, just with work schedules and stuff. So I've used I've used the coffee pot. Uh, that's my confession to our viewer, I guess. Uh, but that being said, I can I can really highly endorse the pour over. Love it. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Anything else to add to that? Um. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah I, you know, I always just say this: the best cup of coffee is however you enjoy it. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. 
Uh, so when a customer does reach out and they're like, hey, I don't know what to buy on the website. I get a couple emails like that a week. And the first thing I say is, well, what do you currently drink? What do you enjoy? And how are you brewing at home? And then I could usually make recommendations based on those things. You did um, that for me this week. That's right. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's right. the truth of the matter is the best way to enjoy coffee is however you enjoy it, right? Because if it tastes like garbage to you, you're not going to want to buy it. So, Yeah. I will – in the in – the, I don't know about the broader aviation world, but in the military aviation world, um, the question uh, – new pilots always come like – get a young new, especially like right out of college <clears throat> lieutenant <clears throat> uh, or warrant officer. And they're asking questions like, what's your favorite airframe? What's your favorite thing to fly? Um, and if A-10s. you've been around for me, what? A-10s. Okay. So, well, that is obviously the answer, but most people haven't <laughs> flown them now. Um, but any pilots that's Sad. been around for a minute, uh, he knows the correct answer and it's the airframe you're in. Like <laughs> you love the aircraft you're in. And you're flying because you want it to love you back and take care of you. So, yeah. As long as it's an next? A-10. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. Mm. Yeah. So what's the best coffee? The one you're drinking? What's the best airframe? The one you're flying? That's kind of the same thing. Um, I was thinking uh, doing a counter to uh, conservative dad's uh, non-conservative calendar and just featuring A-10s. Oh, in it. We sh- no, we should do this. Um, I think that'd be great. Shout out. To what's Dale Stark's handle, Phil? Do we know off the top of your head? Dale Stark A10. Is it Dale Stark? I think it's Dale Stark A10. You know what? We should reach out to him and see if he wants to do a conservative dad um, calendar. And we will just put pictures of, of him and his A10 in the calendar. Yeah. Maybe yes. I'll sneak one picture of a Blackhawk in there. Just I got a picture of a North Arrow bag on an A10 wing. Really? Yeah, I was uh, happened to go to a aerospace museum and I don't even know where I was, and I was like, "Oh, it's A10." I'm putting my coffee on it and taking a picture. <laughs> okay, nice. That's I cool. had a post in Afghanistan. Um, there was a gate to the flight line that was right behind the A10s, and they were doing engine warm-ups and stuff. Which, which for those of you who don't know, it's they're testing the engines out, making sure they're working nicely and whatnot. They have to get nice and hot and everything. And so they just sit in there parked and they're running their engines. And hmm. I'm right behind him. I'm, I'm like, gosh, 50 feet behind these things. And it was cool because it was cold that night. And so it kept me warm. But man, I must have breathed in so much exhaust. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> I didn't get you know, carbon monoxide just from that thing. Just for, yeah. for hours, like, probably four hours, man. I was sitting there while they're running different way, engines. What a so way to go, though. That's my A10. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. If you got to go, you know, yeah. killed by an A10, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Back blast area. <laughs> Not clear. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, okay. Perfect. I'm glad you guys get that reference. Yeah. Just, mm. Yeah. Um, hey, so go ahead. Sorry. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> we can take, we can take the scenic route. So, um, so Rob, you mentioned that you had taught your son to do an L shaped ambush. Yeah. Um, and which is pretty awesome. And, uh, for those yep. of you who don't know, L shape, I mean, you have the bad guys coming this way, right through, and you're laid out on the ground there. So you have, that's on this side and this side, so you blast from the front and the side. You don't want to have a, an eight-shape ambush because then you're shooting each other across here. That's no good. So an mm-hmm. L-shape is good. Um, but your son picked it up, and that was cool. When my boy was about four, um, I taught him to yell frag out when he throws on pine cones and grenades and stuff. And we were at a church picnic, and um, 
and we're brand new to this church. We just moved out here to Virginia, and um, and we're out there in the woods. And he grabs pine gun. He goes, he goes, he goes, frag out, and tosses it, you know, and the whole arm and everything. And um, I got that's more so compliments good. from the guys over that, like your son. He, he just did frag. That's awesome. A so, legend was born. Yeah, these yeah. are the things we teach our sons: L shaped ambushes, frag out. Yeah, yeah. So he still Very yells nice. it today when we're playing video games together, and he throws a grenade. Like frag out, dad. Nice. It's amazing yeah. how my nine-year-old can understand simple geometry because we. I even went over with him how to assault through one if you're caught in it, and it made perfect sense to him. I was like, yeah. I so my it. son, <laughs> my son already embodies something that I'm going to teach him. He's two. Uh, in case the viewer is wondering, um, yeah, now's so the time to start. By the way, <laughs> yeah. Well, he already, and I'm I'm fostering this behavior in him, and also at the same time trying to restrain it when needed. Um, but the whole concept of violence of action, man toddler boys get that mm. like you need to it doesn't need to be driven out of men it just needs to be learned they just need to be taught how to harness it and apply it when yep. needed uh but yep. violence of action in my two-year-old is strong um all right speaking it's called a sin nature but go ahead yeah it depends on how it's employed i would, I would say it depends on how it's employed Fair um enough. so uh do you guys hear my wife vacuuming is that coming through to you guys no, but good no. honor. I mean, okay, <laughs> and good on you for making that happen. Good on, yeah, good job. Yeah, um, well trained. Anyway, <laughs> um, hold on one second. She's getting really close. I'm going to mute and tell her to not do it right next to me. <laughs> good night and good luck. Indeed. <laughs> go this is how you know not to vacuum. This is how you know we're watch. professional podcasters a... here, Rob. Yeah, you're going to see a vacuum do. fly across the screen soon. Just, just, yeah. just stay tuned, folks. Nah, she always I've never seen a Hoover go air- airborne, but it's going to happen tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. What is your airframe of choice? <laughs> the <Hoover>. Dyson. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't even know what to do to keep the show interesting while he's off camera. No, that's why he's in charge. This is uh, yeah. that's why we said, Dave, you're in charge. You lead us. What can we do? I have nothing. So, I don't have show notes. No, I didn't prepare a thing. Oh, good. He's back. back. (laughs) I used the opportunity to refill my beverage. So nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Which I was trying to figure out how to do anyway uh, without making it awkward. But I just, yeah. Two birds, one stone. What are we drinking? Before the show. So I'm I'm stuck for another 15 minutes. Drinking an Alaskan hard seltzer. And I know Rob uh, thinks that's what's wrong with the world. Uh, this isn't I like a white claw. I thought you were married to a girl. Yeah. <laughs> that goes really good with those Biden 2020 cookies that, uh, <laughs> what's her name, T-Swift made. Mm. <laughs> now, see, <laughs> see, unlike you, Dave, I'm a real man, and I drink from my haunted Cosmos cup. Oh, man. So mm. so I, um, I'm just going to say this. Uh, I love the haunted Cosmo guys, Cosmos guys. I love what they're doing. Uh in um king's hall and all this stuff it's great um one of the things that i love most is how often ben garrett says to brian survey so true king and i think we've talked about this before so true um but i've I've got a a buddy of mine and my wife's like is he gonna is he gonna be your so true king guy because i know you need that and i uh i hope i hope ben garrett hears me say this and Mm. brian survey i said I'm going to I'm going to try to make it happen. Uh, I'm going to try to make him my store brand Ben Garrett. Um and I'm going to try to be the store brand Brian Save and I'm not even going to be em- embarrassed about it anymore. 
Like yeah. just embrace. They just it. have such a great dynamic. Yeah. So. So true, King. So true. Yeah. So thank you, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> so this hard seltzer sip is is to is to Ben Garrett, Brian Savay. Uh, <laughs> Hope he appreciates it. They probably won't. That's why I'm the store brand version. Um, Wish.com. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I will say spruce tips though in the drink it's its own thing um so we talked a moment about an a moment ago about an l-shaped ambush from phil uh do you know it is also shaped like an l the square you taught us how to use last week true this week what tool do you have and this is how we're going to do this um we're going to ask phil what tool he has that he's planned to show us and teach us how to use and then we're going to see if Rob, without any prior coordination, hopefully, we're going to see if Rob has that tool on hand that Phil brings. Oh, hold on, before we before we do that, I'm going to uh, I'm going to commandeer the show, okay, just for a second. The the con because is we yours. have messed this up two weeks in a row. We're going to get it this week. You guys ready? I'm, oh, no. I'm reading off my phone here. Let me put it next to the camera, so it looks like I'm looking at the camera. Hey, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you. Subscribe to Total Sports Talk. They make way better content than ESPN. Subscribe to Sports Talk. You know, and I just want to applaud you, Rob, for just the seamless transition you have for that ad read that we were forced to do by our overlord. And yes. how it's totally no one would know that it was planned out or, yeah. or scripted. Like, that yeah. was well I'm really good at, at finding the perfect segue. That was yeah. great. That was yeah. better than so my didn't jump in like derail things at all. That was great. Yeah, that was that was better than my L-shaped ambush to Speed Square. Um, that was a Rob-shaped ambush right there. That's what that was. Yeah, Rob just showed us how you <laughs> ambush. Yeah, excellent ambush. Um, but so yeah, total sports said, talk, guys. Check it out if you want sports stuff other than you know the real ones like curling and badminton and whatnot. Yeah, we bring you. Yep, yeah. Um, the ones that are run by the uh, military industrial complex. Right. Yes. Um, so that being said, what tool did you bring, Phil? And Rob, do you have it with you also by chance? I will, I will be shocked if Rob has this tool in a trailer. Mm-hmm. Today I brought a draw knife. Now a draw now, is knife, that also known does as a Rob spoke, have one? Is that known as a spoke shave to some people? Some might call it that, but they're weird. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, 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 truth be told, I do own a draw knife. However, I do not have one equipped on the RV. Fair enough. Because why would I just, you? I just the looked it up. That's not a, also a spoke shave. That's similar but different. Okay. So, so ignore me, viewer. Okay. This is why I do tools and you don't, Dave. So, um, <laughs> so a draw knife. What it's used for is peeling the bark off of logs. And basically, it's imagine just this giant blade here, um, and imagine like a um, a planer, right? We have a plane that you know you go through and you mm-hmm. shave off bits of wood, make it smooth. Can you show it blade. really close to the camera? It has a blade like a plane does in it, mm-hmm. but a lot bigger, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you grab it like so, and you want to put it this way on your log. If you do it the other way, if you put it so it's going this way into the log, it's going to push down and end your log and cut the wood. So you come at it from this side here, all right? So come and shunk into your log, pulling it towards you, mm-hmm. all right? Normally, you don't pull knives towards yourself, but in this case, you do. And you draw the knife towards you, and you shave off the bark that way. 
-hmm. whenever you see those the log furniture like say i don't know the amish type stuff or you go to cracker barrel and they have the log type um chairs and um that sort of thing you're seeing log bed frames um i actually bought this when i was in alaska dave and um and my wife she was in military as well she was deployed at the time and i had a summer there to myself and um, I wanted to make a good bed frame. And so I found, I got some birch logs, cut off of Fort Wayne right. They had some area they're going to clear out to let people come in and cut nuts on trees. So I did that mm-hmm. and used this to peel all the bark off and made a log cabin style bed frame. So that's what I draw this for. Very handy. If you try to take bark off a tree other ways, it's a huge pain. I've tried before with various other kinds of knives and stuff. And, and I said, this is ridiculous. What's the proper way to do it? And I looked it up mm-hmm. and... I learned how to draw a knife. So I've had this for years now. Use it on occasion still when I'm prepping other projects and whatnot in the workshop. And um, yeah, it's handy. If I Nothing wanna... says this this tool was an impulse buy more than a scannable barcode that's still on it. Yes. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> warning, 10 inch draw shave. A draw shave. Ooh. Danger, sharp edges. Wear gloves and safety goggles when using this tool. But. The yeah. only reason I didn't comment on the sticker still on it is because I don't own one. And I thought, hmm. And I, in fairness, you don't rub this side of the blade against the wood. So why would it come off, you know? That's like you're fair. Doing the blade edge here. That's fair. So um, I like, if, if I want to point if this out. Is off, I've been doing it wrong. You know what? That's fair. Next time I see somebody that has a draw knife, if the stickers rubbed off their draw knife, I'm going to say, ah, you've been doing it wrong. <laughs> um I do want to point out something in all seriousness, though. You 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 were trying to take bark off, and it wasn't working well. So you looked into the right way and the right tool um, to figure out how to do that. And to our young hypothetical viewer who's learning how to be a man, um, there's oftentimes you will find out there are the number of tools out there are endless. If you're struggling with something, there's a tool for that almost every every single time. Uh, so yeah, if you're trying to figure out how to do something and it, it just seems goofy, do some research. New under the sun. Yeah, yeah, there's a tool for that. Yeah, somebody else figured it out already, probably. Um, and every <laughs> project is an excuse to buy a new tool, according to Click and Clack. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, and you if were, you're not, uh, doing it- I got a story mm. about excuses to buy new tools. Send it. <laughs> we were traveling through Tulsa and. Uh, um, with the RV and, and for one week we decided we were going to get an Airbnb. So I disconnected the camper in a very shady part of Tulsa and, um, woke up in the morning and like trees my or, or ghetto, no ghetto, ghetto, straight ghetto. Okay. Um, yeah, there was, there was things happening in the neighborhood that were not cool. Um, woke up in the morning and my, um, hitch was stolen off the back of my truck and if anyone here has ever towed a camper, we're not talking about some twenty nine ninety nine Home Depot hitch. This is about an eight hundred dollar hunk of steel that mm-hmm. you can only buy in a complete set, and it was this whole big thing. And um, I got on Facebook Marketplace, and by God's grace, found the exact hitch model that was stolen for like a hundred bucks. Wow. But it wasn't set up for my truck. It wasn't my hitch. I knew I would have known mm. if it was mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was the same model as mine and totally justified dropping a couple hundred bucks on a half inch to wall impact wrench. Oh, yeah. I don't, 
it justifies itself. I don't think you did the justification yes. at all. Yes. Yeah. The necessity so of the to, situation. So to the to the uh, drug addicted dirtbag who stole my hitch, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all things work together for good for those who it's, love God um, and are called according to his head and park in the ghetto. <laughs> what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Hmm. Yeah. Tools so for good tools. Yeah, exactly. Okay, excellent. Um, so yeah, that's a uh, not a spoke shave, but a draw knife. Um, and if you are struggling with something, there's probably a tool for that. I think those are the those are the takeaways, right? Yep. Nothing Alrighty. under the sun. Yeah. Because so those are our, new under the sun. Yeah. So those are our kind of practical uh, topics. But let's let's circle back to the order of affections and hating um, what we're out to hate and loving what we're out to hate. Um, are you guys following the Dusty Devers uh, being roasted? And by roasted, I mean it was an absolute terrible job by Jimmy Fallon. Uh, who Dusty Devers is and what's going on? I know Dusty Devers. Um, I didn't watch the Fallon bit, but okay, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of tools, Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> tool of the week, yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's. Uh, I mean, he's he's he's. Uh, what is it? He he's a freaking psyop. Oh yeah, yeah. He's another one. There's no, there's no original thought. He he's reading off a script. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. Sorry. Do you know who Dust uh, who Dusty is though, Rob? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Abolitionist yeah. Rising. Well, yep. Explain for our viewer because oh yeah, our viewer probably doesn't know. Um, because if you knew if you knew things about the world, why would you be watching us? Um, <laughs> yeah. So Dusty's doing. Um, so first off, he was a, a bivocational pastor at a church. And his congregation, this is in Oklahoma, asked him to run um, for, um, I can't remember exactly which state one. Senate. Of the state Senate. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he did. And his almost his entire platform was the child sacrifices will stop, um, which I know we're all in agreement on. I know Rob's actively, that's like part of, that's a central part of your mission um, mm-hmm. with your coffee. But yeah, so the child sacrifices will stop. And to the surprise of everybody who's not been paying attention, he won. Um, and so he gets to he gets to his new position, and he's he's creating abolitionist bills, uh, and it's making it's making the leftist child sacrificers really angry. But he also um, this last week, I believe it was, he's talking about I don't know if he actually proposed it or if he's talking about um, a bill that would for the state outlaw pornography and sexting somebody that's not your wife. Uh, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. You think, you know, it's interesting that this is now the point where he is now thrust into the mainstream. It wasn't even for him doing the right thing concerning abortion, right? Yeah. It's now he's attacking the precious pornography. Mm-hmm. So we're yeah. going to start. Yeah. Well, he was, he was getting some, so a little bit of, of negative press, mostly at a local level, I think. Well, that's what I'm um, saying. Not not Jim, not national level. Jimmy Fallon, you know, show press. Yeah, right? but Price now effect happening there, you know. Yeah, now the they're trying to do a top down uh, approach to attacking this guy, and they they took some quotes that he didn't say. They made fake quotes to mock um, mock him and such. But it's interesting. One of his interviews I was watching um, in his campaign. When he talked about the child sacrifices will stop, he talked about his the position he was basing this off of 
is the myth of neutrality or the antithesis. He says, you're either serving God with your laws or you're serving Satan. You're either writing righteous laws or you're writing demonic laws. Uh, so he gets it. He understands there's certain things you're supposed to hate, uh, i.e. child sacrifice. Um, and so he's going after them. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the big guns were brought out to take a hit on them this week. And I think all they did is show that they weren't actually funny. The big guns weren't the comedians. Uh, and they probably did a lot of good press uh, for good old, good old Dusty Deves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this, he's in a state that's pretty conservative. And he's only working on a state law, but the big guns that have a federal national reach um, were brought out to bring him down, which means he's he's going after the idols. So good on Dusty Devers. Um, he rightly is exemplifying and he's doing it out of love, because if you think it is absolutely unloving to not hate abortion, um, it allows children to be sacrificed. And then think of all the mothers that, as they get older, end up having this guilt that they realize blood's on their hands. And you're loving the mother by not letting them uh, murder their child. And you're actually ultimately loving the nation because the God's not gonna, uh, God's not going to discipline a nation for child sacrifice if they're not doing child sacrifice. Um, it's loving all around uh, to hate this evil. Um, and then pornography. He also preaches the gospel throughout this as well. Um, yeah. And he and I believe he does it very very well. He calls for repentance. Yep. Um, absolutely oper- operating in love and truth. Yeah, and then and probably the right level of hate. Yeah, exactly. And pornography is in a similar boat where it's a threat to society. It's ruining lives, marriages. Um, it's causing people to get in an addiction that sins against God, bringing judgment on them and their homes. And so he's hating the thing that's threatening people. And that's a right I have order. A theory. Okay. I have a theory that if uh, pornography was completely banned and inaccessible, that the men in our culture would be less controllable by the culture. 100%. Yeah. Like that's, let's go ahead and just pass theory. Do not, do not collect $200 and go right to spiritual fact on that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Men who are not enslaved to sin are not controlled by worldly culture. Yeah. Let's go to that one. Um, yeah. So he's, and <laughs> he's, he's in that sense, um, offering, he's trying to remove a barrier to freedom, uh, and gospel centered living freedom for people. And he's getting absolutely just raked through the coals, uh, by the comedians now, cause he's attacking an idol that's actively harming people. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was. I watched the video. I was like, "This is even funny." And I, I used to think uh, Jimmy Fallon was funny. Uh, he used to be ago. kind of funny. That's true. Till he sold his soul to big pharma, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. There was yeah, definitely all, an exchange he, yeah. of. He was of funny fame. in Idiocracy, right? After that, I'm yeah. pretty sure he sucked. Yeah, was he in we'll there? <laughs> I think yeah, he was. So, uh, good on Dusty Devers for out of love for what is good and right and the Lord and his people, uh, hating evil. Um, With the perfect hate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then another one is, so uh, <laughs> there was a statue of Satan that was destroyed uh, in a state capital. What state was this? Iowa. Um, Iowa, okay. Um, Iowa. 
So there's a, there's a statue of Satan erected in the state capital of Iowa, and I forgot his name. Um, Absolute Chad King destroyed the. Do you guys remember his name? Uh, Michael blanking. Cassidy. Yes, yeah. thank you, Michael Cassidy. Teamwork um, makes the dream work. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Another another great cool. American goes through you call and me? Uh, and destroys destroys uh, statue of Satan and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. I just wish we had a video of yeah uh, of that moment because in my head, or maybe maybe I'm glad there's not a video because in my head I just see this dude wielding like a battle axe and you know probably not in the state capital. They frown on that. Yeah, if I say Boniface option, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Sharp with the axe, son. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he hated, and so this is an interesting thing too. Uh, if you read scripture, you see that God actively disciplines and judges nations that tolerate idols. Hmm. Um, just, it's one of the meta narratives of scripture of we have a jealous God and not in a petty, you know, um, vindictive 16 year old girlfriend type jealousy way. Like when you're in high school and they're going crazy. Um, but in a, in a truly this, you guys don't get it. This is my creation. You don't get to have other gods before me, uh, sort of way that is his, his right as being deity. Um, so yeah, uh, Michael Cassidy, understanding this, understanding the hatred of, of blaspheming the Lord and the hatred of inviting judgment upon your people goes and just destroys the statue. Um, Excellent order of affection display there, I think. Yeah. And now he's there. being charged with a hate oh, yeah. crime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Which, first, wasn't it like destruction of property or, or something? Mm-hmm. And then now they're, mm-hmm. now they're trumping it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah th- I'm sorry. Thank you. That was the, but so are we entering this, this portion of society where the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, where the fear of the Lord things are going to result in actual hate crime accusations, like not just yeah. verbally on Twitter, but legal. I think we're, I think this is the first one and I don't think it's going to be the last. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and well, here's, and here's the thing. Um, it, it's those who are using this, this cudgel against him, mm. you know, they don't care about not hate crowds. They don't care about Satan statues. They don't care about any of this stuff. Okay. What it is, is, and it's an excuse. It's a reason to beat on someone who is against the system, against mm-hmm. the, the dominant Marxist stuff going on. Okay, that's the religion we're fighting against right now. And whatever, you know, because they can use to do that, they will. You know, we look mm-hmm. at them and we say, oh, but look at, you know, you, you guys tore down statues all the time. Look at, you know, BLM tearing down statues and you're a bunch of hypocrites. And don't you feel bad? You're a hypocrite. And they don't mm-hmm. care about that. Yeah. It doesn't matter because all they care about is taking out their enemy. And that's what yeah. I keep in mind when, when this sort of thing happens. Don't forget that. Yeah. No, they, um, that's exa- yeah, so they've got the opposite order of loves. Like they, they love everything, everything except the one thing they're supposed. To, or they, they love every everything, um. But when you hate the one thing that they, they love everything that's not hating their one thing. Sorry, I started down that road. I didn't know where. Was, what is it? Michael Scott uh, says sometimes I like to start a sentence. I don't know where it's going to end. <laughs> um, that was not what happened, but it looks like it's what happened. Um, they love everything except the one thing they should love. 
and truth, goodness, righteousness, mm-hmm. and the Lord. Um, and so when you <laughs> when you hate evil, uh, they cry foul um, on that. But you know what? I I hope we have more Satan, Satan statues to knock down and make a point with. They really are all over the place in various forms. It's a target-rich environment. Mm. Um, I hope <laughs> we end up having... What'd you say? <laughs> target. Target, yeah. I hope we uh, I hope we have the courage to start taking shots at those targets. I'm talking metaphorically, my FBI watchers. I'm not talking Yeah, literally. no actual shots. No. Yeah, no no actual shotting going on. <laughs> this is a yeah, rhetorical don't, device. Don't um, do that. Yes. Yeah. Um so you don't follow us on Rumble. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> we're getting kicked off YouTube. All us on Rumble. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if you're um, watching this on YouTube, just just watch us on Rumble. I don't even know why. I, yeah. Watch us on Rumble. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I know what YouTube is uh, and Twitter, and that's about it. I discovered the internet three years ago. That's it. Or four years now. Four now. I got on Twitter during the COVID stuff and learned that there were things out there in the world. So that was cool. Um, Anyway, so yeah, uh, Michael Cassidy, rightly ordered affections, loving what he ought to love, mm-hmm. hating what he ought to hate. Another one, though, and this is one that surprised a lot of people. However, this one has not surprised some people who've been paying attention and saying, no, we called this drift a long time ago. Alistair Begg, who I have in good conscience recommended to people mm-hmm. um, in the past, and I will say who has said a lot of good things. So I'm not going to try to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But, however, as he was getting a call in this week on a radio show, I think it was a grandmother asked him about um, attending a transgender wedding of a family member. And he advised in the name of love that family member should. But is that getting it out of order, do you guys think? Should we love first what God loves? And then, if it if loving what he loves doesn't put something else in the category of hating what he hates, then we can love that thing. But if we are not hating what he hates in the name of love, are we doing it backwards? And I'm going to remind you that in Deuteronomy, it calls a man laying with a man an abomination. Um, I'm going to also say the book of Jude echoes in the new from going from the old covenant to the new covenant doesn't change anything about God's attitude towards homosexuality and sexual perversion. Um, and then also throughout the epistles talks about the use of marriage and how it reflects God and our Christ and the church's relationship. It's a very sacred thing, this marriage concept. Hmm. Um, do you think the advice he gave and he, a lot of people that knew him and loved him that were prominent pushed back and he ended up doubling down and getting removed from shepherd's conference um, this week, which I think was the right decision. But do you think that he's an, so we've talked about Dusty Devers and Michael Cassidy having a right order of loves. Do you think that, um, Alistair Begg in this advice got the order backwards and in the name of loving man is failing to love God and hate what God hates? Yes. (laughs) Doesn't even need qualification. I, I'd say no, because what he is claiming is love for man is not actually love for man. So I agree with you. So he's not but, got a but his, but his Exactly. His, his, mis, well, his, his misorder is... Somebody. 
is based off a misdefinition even. Exactly. Yeah. So it goes more fundamental than that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Um, but we, we can admit he's failing to love God, I think, in this by loving what God loves and hating what God hates. He's not so, doing that. So to, to yeah. be as generous as possible here. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. I wonder how much of the reason he got this wrong is because of the same thing I see in a lot of, of Christians in the church. Mm-hmm. And that is not understand the times we live in and not mm-hmm. understand our enemy. Yeah. Um, like in a vacuum, if someone is doing something sinful, like I'm not going to say, Hey, just avoid them at all costs, you know, um, mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. But, but in today's culture and in, in this fight that we're in, um, going to a transgender wedding um, or a gay wedding or whatever, going to that is more than just going to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it sends a well, message to people and, yeah. and it, it's, you're making a political statement about it. Um, it's taken part in a religious celebration. Statement. Yeah. Yeah. And right? if, so, I mean, th- we, we don't need to reach har- far into the, 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 the scripture to understand what the implications are of going to right. of, of going to a wedding where there's homosexual union going on. Right. Yeah. It is it, yeah. no different than going worshiping in a pagan temple. Yeah. In, f- in fact, what, what some of the things I think of that were the common uh, themes of worshiping at pagan temples were homosexual, rampant sexuality, child sacrifice, um, it is no different. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I wanted to. I wanted to emphasize that for our viewer. There's You're nothing not make, new under the sun. Yeah, this is <laughs> oh not a. Goodness. This is not one of those rhetorical, hyperbolic, illustrative statements. Well, it is that, literally yeah. one for one the same thing. And that, that's another thing we, we <laughs> and I've heard this argued too is that we seem to think that these uh, issues in our culture are unique to our time. Mm-hmm. There are early church writings on abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look it yeah. up. They're there. There yeah. are I, you know what the homosexuality is not a modern issue. It is dealt with in the Bible. Nudity in the public square was a big issue in the first century. Um, it's 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 not just dealt with in the Bible. It's dealt with in historical writings. Our our sexual sexualized culture is not a modern thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm reading through the Old Testament now. The 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 sexualization that was going on. Is sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm reading a graphic novel. I mean, mm. it was I'm as I'm reading that, and I'm just saying that to say that as I'm reading through the historical books of scripture, I'm realizing that there is nothing new under the sun. This yeah. is not some new topic that we have to say. Okay, well, this is new to our culture. So now, how do we go to the Bible with this new thing that's kind of different? Because it didn't know that actually it all existed in the Bible, and it's all dealt with in the Bible. So what I'm getting is it's no excuse to not understand the times we're in and mm. to make this bad call because of that. Yes. If you're a pastor who should be understanding what the Bible says, this shouldn't be hard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I try to be generous, but <laughs> there you go, you know? <laughs> no, the, you know. It, sadly, it does end it. There's no excuses. There's no, there's no nuancing this one. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a failure. Um, to define 
love, um, as, as Rob pointed out, I think rightly, to understand its definition. And then because of that misdefinition, it was absolutely misapplied in the wrong direction. Um, I will also, yeah, and this, so that's after we've had two good examples of rightly ordered love and understanding what love means, and then, then one bad example. Uh, and when, and I will say this, when I talked about the Dusty Devers and the Michael Cassidy, and I said, and all God's people said, amen, and then I said, or some, or you'd think, the amount of pushback, I don't know if you've seen the amount of pushback from professing Christians saying, well, you shouldn't destroy property, um, which generally is true in normative circumstances. Um, and for Dusty Devers, they're, they're claiming that he's just trying to make everyone, force everyone to be a Christian by law. Um, so but you've got a lot of evangelical Christian pushback on these guys. Does that surprise you guys at all? No. Yeah. Yeah, it ought not to be, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And so then there are guys who are in the name of Christ. Um, they're not, and I will say they are not participating in the same debased mockery that Jimmy Fallon was. But positionally, they're co-belligerents on his side um, against Christians doing the right thing. And that's that's pretty uh, disheartening, I think. And also it's an eye-opener. Yeah. Yep. I want to tackle real quick too one of the premises behind what you're talking about. Um, and this isn't all of the, all of it, but a lot of people seem to think that uh, the church should stay out of politics. Mm. And a lot of people get really cringy when a pastor decides he's going to run for office. Mm. Um, I want to challenge that thought process because one thing that um, we see in the Great Commission is that we're not actually told to disciple individuals; we're told to disciple the nations. Um, the Book mm -hmm. of Revelation reveals that the nations are his inheritance. Uh, mm -hmm. We can look at um, biblical history and see that Israel was meant to be a blessing to the nations. We have such an individualistic view in our time today that we think everything's about the person, the person, the person, and we forget the actual large scope of Scripture. Jesus is coming for the nations, and how are we going to present our nation to him when he comes to claim his inheritance? I absolutely think that Christians are called to run for office, to pass laws that honor God's law. Mm. For me, it's, it's, it's very simple. Yeah. Uh, it, we because, need to be in that space. And that's, that's how you what, love your neighbor. That's how you love people. That's how your enemies. Good, even. Yep. You yep. make sure that if your laws are in line with scripture, that's going to benefit the nation as a whole, you know, and that's not mm. hypothetical. You, you can look at, at the French Revolution versus the American Revolution mm. and how they were set up. You know, the French one was set up on, on enlightenment uh, principles of this, you know, atheist nonsense. And, and it just turned into a bloodbath and a hell. And now you have modern day France. And, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then you have the American Revolution where it was set up on Christian principles, you know, and, you know, people will say, well, they weren't really Christians, you know, whatever. No, it was based on scriptural biblical principles. This, um, they were they were in accordance with that at the very least. So yeah. you do that, and you had two hundred years of flourishing. You know, I, we're going down the tubes, but that's what we're getting away from it. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said one hundred percent. And it and I like that Rob said. For me, it's that simple. It is that simple. Um, the first creed that was ever identified in the church in the early church, while there while Rome is ruling, was Christ is Lord. So Rome, for the most part let Christians do what they wanted, let people that they conquered do what they wanted. They, a happy populace that obeyed their laws and paid taxes was preferable to 
subjugating everyone. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing they required was annually a, a confession from the citizens that, that Caesar is Lord and a burning of, mm-hmm. a, I think, a pinch of incense um, to worship Caesar. And the Christians would not bend the knee to this. People were imprisoned. They died. They were persecuted for this. And their response to Caesar's Lord was, Christ is Lord. I think it was Jeshua Curios, if I remember the pronunciation correctly, rather than Kaiser or Curios or whatever. Um, that was the first creed of the Christians, of the church, in, in the early church. And it is that simple, Rob. Um, not just to you. Um, and then as, as Phil was saying to echo that, um, we didn't say the phrase, but salt and light, a preservative, um, mm. just laws in accordance with the way the Lord wants his creation to operate are, are one of the most, most profound, robust ways you can love your neighbor by being a preser- a preservative, uh, is just laws. Yeah. So I'm glad, uh, for our viewer, we could clear that up, um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's that simple. I'm glad you said it that way, Rob. It is that simple. Christ is Lord. Caesar is not. Satan is not. Um, end of story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those were the three the three current events I wanted to look at through that lens. Did you guys have anything else this week um, you think you wanted to apply to that lens or apply that lens to? No, I think we're out of time anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we're a little over. Hopefully our overlord... Uh, is okay with that. Hey, we got the ad read in, so I think we're good. We did, yeah, yeah. nailed. And it. we got it for another show, not just not just um, not just coffee. your coffee, not right? just my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, use code ADP ten for ten percent off your first North Arrow coffee order at northarrow.coffee. <laughs> All righty, I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, any closing remarks from you guys? Christ is Lord. There's nothing new under the sun. Amen. All right. And I think with that, we'll call it a night. I'll see you guys later. See you guys. Good night.